everybody on this beautiful Friday morning um, and uh, I think uh, we're going to enjoy this uh, podcast today. Unfortunately, we're coming to the end of this book and um, we only have two more chapters to go once this uh, today is done. So I know that I'm hoping that the book will finish on a positive note because uh, for the last few chapters we've been hearing more and more about how bad dopamine is, how people get addicted to it, how the society is filled with dopamine addicts and you know we have to find a way to break the cycle. Dopamine is harmful alone but combined with oxytocin, serotonin and endorphins it is a good thing. So as with all things in life, a balance is good. So maybe the secret lies with increasing the other hormones to redress the balance. So how did we get to where we are? Unfortunately, we got here through misguided but good intentions. Nobody purposefully destroys themselves. We need to work in environments of trust. We have become cynical, paranoid, selfish, and open to addiction. Our health is worse. Our humanity is at risk. The dangers do not come from outside. They come from within. The solution also comes from within. Within companies, within government, within families. If we can function differently without the need of the constant fix of dopamine, we have a chance. Alcoholics Anonymous is an organization which we all recognize and they help people to reduce the dopamine fix that people get from imbibing uh, alcohol. Most of us have heard of their 12-step program and most of us know that the first step is admitting the problem. So we admit it, we have a problem, society is a problem, the dopamine is too much, we need to do something. And what we need to get away from is the need to have those fleeting highs. We need to get away from the dopamine that destroys relationships. And we need to get away from the, the um, desire to raise our status through wealth and celebrity alone. When we can uh, confront those things, we have a chance. So we all admit we have a problem and now we need to do the hard work. In AA, when um, clients are successful, they are the ones that go all the way to step 12. Step 12 in the Alcoholics Anonymous program is 
giving service to other people, becoming a sponsor for somebody else. It is that need to service others which saves the addict. The personal involvement, the service to help another addict, that ensures their sobriety. Alcoholics Anonymous meet in churches in basements of buildings and they always sit in a circle. That, that should probably reveal something to us. That circle is an actual circle of safety. They can see everyone. They face everyone. When they need help, they can call someone. Their contacts are real. Their contacts cannot be virtual. They literally have a circle of safety. And somebody described alcoholism as a pack of wolves waiting to attack you. And it reminded me of the story we heard about the oxen or the, the um, cows who decided to uh, face a lion together with their horns out. That was their circle of safety. The alcoholic circle is there to keep out the harmful uh, problems of alcohol. So many, many people who join AA stay friends afterwards. And during COVID, this was put to the test. They weren't able to meet in those groups. They could only meet on, online. And as much as we like the visual environment, as much as we have grown to feel part of something, it doesn't have the strength of meeting people and hugging them and, and being together. And certainly there is no circle that's obvious online. I read online a few articles about some of the support groups that exist, uh, like Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, even Gambling Anonymous, and they all operate in the same way. But during COVID, they had a big problem because imagine you're a newly um, accepting alcoholic, like you've just accepted that you're an alcoholic, you go to your first meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous, you think maybe this is what's going to help me and then COVID hits. Then you can't see those people again. You can't get that physical support. You can't, well, I suppose you can call your sponsor, but suddenly the isolation and the problems increase. So that need for physical inhuman contact is, is very, very important for groups such as AA. And I guess when I was reading about it, I thought, you know, that is another casualty of COVID that we haven't even thought about. So along comes oxytocin, oxytocin to the rescue. Um, it is, uh, you know, we all know that we can't face the problems of the world on our own. And if you act with others, um, like addicts following the steps, you will be more successful. People that try to follow the steps by themselves rarely succeed. They do not, because what happens is, when you're in a program such as AA, you want success for everybody, not just for yourself. 
So your need for other people to have success is strong. So the thing about oxytocin is all of the feelings of trust and love are critical to our recovery. There is um, evidence to suggest that if you have an abundance of oxytocin, it can actually prevent you becoming an alcoholic in the first place. So it has certainly been shown that the presence of oxytocin can fight the withdrawal symptoms in heroin and alcoholism. So what that reminded me of is how important it is that our units, our family units are strong, that our teenagers feel secure and safe, that our teenagers have friends and contacts to have their own circle of safety. It doesn't matter how geeky they are, as long as they have other geeky friends, it's okay. They have their circle of safety. And I believe that that protects the people, protects our teenagers from the alcoholism. They don't need it because they have each other. Evidence is strong that a healthy release of oxytocin through service to others, sacrifice and selflessness on behalf of others will reduce the possibility of a corporate culture becoming toxic in the first place. Oxytocin also has been shown to help us live longer. Couples live significantly longer than singles. Studies have shown that married couples also have lower levels of cancer and heart disease. Close, trusting relationships help us at home, but they help us at work too. In the Marines, they have a huge level of trust. They maintain the strength and high integrity of their system. The increase of oxytocin gives them stronger bonds of trust. And it means that they will increase the amount of risks that they're willing to take for other people to do the right thing. They're willing to do things to make sure they look out for each other. And in the end, the group will, before, will perform much better. So have you ever met anybody who has, dis who has recovered from maybe a, a bout of depression or maybe a victim of a crime or a failure in some respect in their mind? Um, maybe somebody who's lost their job, somebody who's lost a relationship, maybe there's been a death in the family. Often when you ask them, you say, how did you survive? And often they will reply by saying, I could not have done it without blank, so-and-so. Somebody helped them. Maybe they helped them as a group. Maybe they took counseling. Maybe it was a complete stranger that helped them. I know that um, when my father passed away, I was in England, so I was, Alan wasn't with me. I was there by myself. Um, no, no other family member was there except my brother. And I'm not really that close with my brother. But there was a lady there <coughs> who had, um, during my father's illness, 
Um, she had called in a few times. We had got on really well together. And um, it was her who sat with me at the funeral. It was her who um, provided me with that extra support that I needed. And probably, sure, I would have got through the day, but um, having those people who give you the oxytocin fix, that makes all the difference. So maybe we would say about our survival of COVID. I, I mean, when people talk to me about COVID and they say, how did you cope during the, because it's a question I ask people when I'm on the telephone, when I'm making my calls to people who have, um, who I think might want to join Tupperware. One of the first questions I ask them is, and how have you managed to survive over the last couple of years? And it's amazing the different responses you get. Some people will say, oh, actually it was really great. I love being at home. I had, you know, I was able to work online. My business was good, etc., etc." But you get people that said, well, I survived. I didn't like it. I don't, I, I can't wait to, for everything to change. Um, and often those people are people that live by themselves or you know, maybe don't have close circle of safety. I know that I look back at COVID and actually, I hate to say this out loud, but it was a good time. I really had a good time. Why? Because Alan and I are very close. We had a, a, an opportunity to spend time together where we don't normally. Uh, I had an opportunity to go out every day walking to really um, increase my health. Uh, but the best thing was being able to connect with people. And although Alcoholics Anonymous, they weren't able to work in the same way virtually, I believe that because of our leader, that we were able to function really well. and. We got plenty of oxytocin and serotonin because we were in a group in which we belonged. We were made to feel part of it. We were made to feel important, all of us. And so um, the, the, I, I contest that um, it actually was a time where I could see the value of being part of something. We always look to others to share and support us when we are wronged. Whenever we're treated badly by a sales assistant, the first thing you do is look around and see if anyone else heard how she spoke to you because you want that support. Yeah, she was a real cow to you, you know, and you, you just want to know that you weren't alone. Um, maybe um, you've been treated badly by somebody and, and I can tell you that uh, during my renovations recently, mostly it was brilliant, it was fantastic. But unfortunately, there was um, a one man from the people who made our cabinets who came into our house and um, I'm not, I, he, he was just very unkind to me. Um, I, he was a francophone. I spoke French with him. He refused to speak to me. 
um, and uh, and every all the other workers in my environment, they couldn't understand why this man was so rude. But I looked to them to support me, and um, it it ended up that we were united uh, as a group because he didn't treat anybody else like that. It was just me, and nobody really understood what was going on with this guy. He must have had a bad time with his wife, I think. So when we hear of somebody who has the same illness, we always want to share. I know that whenever I hear of somebody who has lupus, I'm always, um, how are you doing? What are your symptoms? Because my daughter has lupus. I want to know how they're doing. Can I help you? Is there anything I can do for you? Um, anybody who has a bad boss, then you look to your other workers and say, oh, what a dick he is or whatever, you know, because you, you need that uh, support. And, you know, we seek comfort all the time in each other. This is going to be our solution, I believe. We need to build trust in relationships. That is the key to overcoming the dopamine addictions. When we trust people by our side, we will literally do anything for them as we know that they would do it for us. So um, I believe there's hope. I believe that we can conquer these dopamine addicted uh, organizations. And uh, for, for to give you some more information on that, I'm going to pass over to Marie-Pierre. Thank you, Melanie. Yes, because with all the things that you said, and I really love the example with the, the AA, the Alcoholic Anonymous. And this morning I talked with Sabrina because we all know Sabrina had that problem in the past. And I was curious, so I asked a few questions for you guys this morning. So she said, yes, step number 12 to help others, it never ends. She said, yeah, there's some that they call the step 13 that is now there to cruise the new one, but <laughs> to find a mate. But uh, everyone that go to the step number 12, they would just want to help other people. And she said, when you come in an MLM, it's like when you go to step number 10, 11, and 12, because 12, of course, we help other people always all the time but step number uh, 10 and 11 is to have a conditioning program it's not exactly the same thing that we do but it's really uh, the same kind and step number 11 is to read on personal development so if you are an mlm you are most likely not going to go in those kind of addictions. So I really love talking with Sabrina about that because we see how we can build those strong relationships with people when we help other people. And it's with because we will produce oxytocin. So it's the oxytocin that will uh, be boost uh, and the secretion and in someone else when you help them and you will get that boost too. So there's a few ways that we can make sure that to have that boost of oxytocin. So I found for you 15 ways that we can use. So yes, you can use for yourself. Maybe sometimes you will need it just for yourself, but it's something that you can use with someone else. So you will see with all those things, you can uh, use it to uh, help somebody else. So there's 
And the first uh, five is the best food or nutrient to naturally increase the oxytocin level in your brain. So number one is vitamin D. So vitamin D is a vitamin that your skin will synthesize when exposed to the sun. So re research shows that oxytocin is directly activated and controlled by vitamin D. So ideally, you should get your vitamin D naturally from the sun. Yes, if you cannot see the sun, there's other ways, but yes, sun first. Yes, Melanie? <laughs> I was going to say that's why everyone in Australia is so happy all the time because they get overdosed on sun. It's amazing. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so it's especially important to make sure to get the sunlight in the morning to set the rhythm for their day. So vitamin D is also naturally increase will also naturally increase dopamine dopamine level in your brain. And being deficient in vitamin D can make you more anxious or more depressed. Number two, it's vitamin C. So vitamin C is another easy way to optimize and increase your level of oxytocin. So research know that vitamin C is a cofactor in the production of oxytocin and the synthesis of oxytocin is dependent upon vitamin C. So vitamin C, as you probably know, is found is in fruit and vegetable, vegetable such as green peppers, citrus fruit, tomato, cauliflower, Brussels sprout, broccoli, and cabbage. So for now, we know we have to go in the sun and to eat healthy fruit and vegetable. So keep that in mind because in the next step, you will see that it's really something that we want to uh, uh, use in the next step. So number three is magnesium. So magnesium is a vital mineral that will participate uh, in a lot of biochemical reaction in your body, but a lot of people are deficient in magnesium. So that is a shame because magnesium is absolutely essential for the proper functioning of your nervous system. And yes, the oxytocin receptor require magnesium to function properly and magnesium will increase the action of oxytocin at the receptor. So there's many ways you can get your magnesium. So yes, first you have to make sure to eat magnesium-rich food. So there's spinach, chard, pumpkin seed, almond, avocado, dark chocolate, and banana. Ooh, that's a beautiful combination. And after that, you can use the Epsom salt bath is another great way to increase your body intake of magnesium. So keep that in mind. Number four is caffeine. I wouldn't think of that, but caffeine, yes. <laughs> so researchers have found that caffeine significantly increased the release of oxytocin. So that's why is one of the reasons why people love getting together with friends for a coffee. We always love that. That's why. <laughs> and number five, if you don't like coffee, there's another way. So chamomile. <laughs> so let's try the herbal tea. So you can increase your oxytocin level with herbs such as chamomile. So it's a medicinal herb that has been traditionally used for its calming and anti-inflammatory property, but it can also help you produce more oxytocin. So the... Um, this uh, uh, herb is also um, 
in a, in a number of natural compounds it have helped to manage stress and anxiety for a lot of people too. So with those five things that you can get with your food, let's go now in the uh, 10 best lifestyle habits that you can do to increase your oxytocin level. So number six, we continue, is the touch. So yes, there's a ton of research showing that interpersonal touch quickly increase your oxytocin level in the brain. So this obviously includes kissing, cuddling, and sex, but not sex non-sexual touch such as hugging and shaking can increase oxytocin as well. So in the AA meeting, there's a lot of people at the door to <laughs> greet you. So I said, always minimum 10 person is there to hug you, to <laughs> uh, shake your hand. A lot of people. So you get that boost of oxytocin when you, uh, you arrive at this uh, meeting. So they recommend that, yes, you should have more than one hug every day. They recommend eight hugs every day. So how long should a hug last to release oxytocin? 20 seconds. So when people hug for 20 seconds or more, the feel-good hormone oxytocin will be released. That is a great, strong bond and connection between the huggers. So it can help you boost your immune system, fight infection, increase your dopamine, and reduce depression and lessen fatigue. After that, we go to number seven, pets. Yay! I love <laughs> so animals have a weight of calming us and it's because they increase our excitation level. So if you're trying to maximize your oxytocin level, you should try hang out with animals such as much as possible. So if you don't have a pet now, maybe that's the time to get one. <laughs> and if Maria was there, she would say, oh, maybe two or three. <laughs> <laughs> every pet that comes in our house is staying there <laughs> number eight is to listen to music and sing so music is actually healing and can have a calming effect on the brain by increasing the oxytocin level so what's even better is singing along with the music so researchers have found that singing for 30 minutes significantly increase oxytocin level in both the amateur and the professional singer, regardless of whether they enjoy singing the song. Maybe you don't like singing, you can sing <laughs> even though you don't like it, and you will have that boost even though you, you might not feel like it. <laughs> so I really love that. Number nine, it's yoga. So yoga is a really popular mind-body relaxation technique that will increase the activity of your parasympathetic rest and digest nervous system. So it works because it increases your oxytocin level in the brain by stimulating the vagus nerve. Number 10, it's so socialize. So yes, we know socializing can reduce cortisol and will stimulate the vagus nerve. So now that we learn the positive social interaction can also increase the oxytocin level. So the researcher have found that your brain releases more oxytocin during a social contact and social bonding, and this can actually speed up a healing from disease. So if you want to produce more oxytocin, talk to people whenever you get the chance and hang out with your friend and your family as much as possible. 
because yes, there's just to use the positive comments and conversation will produce that uh, chemical reaction too. So they will spur the production of oxytocin and it's a feel-good hormone that will elevate your ability to communicate too. But when you communicate, when you socialize with other people, make sure that yes, your behavior will produce oxytocin because maybe you will have a conversation with someone and you feel that there's not a trust intention, <laughs> a trust uh, and the, to trust others intentions are not there. So that will not produce oxytocin, but cortisol. Instead, if you are with someone that you say, oh, okay, I, I know that is truthful about what's on their mind. Now you can have that uh, production of oxytocin. So if you, uh, if that person will stimulate the discussion and curiosity, then you will have oxytocin. If you are open to difficult conversation, that will produce oxytocin too. So remember, it's not all conversation that will produce oxytocin. So make sure that you are the person that will uh, stimulate the discussion, that will stimulate the curiosity and you are open to difficult conversation. Number 11, it's warm and cold temperature. So I keep that for Melanie this morning. <laughs> <laughs> so exposing yourself to both warm and cold temperature can also increase oxytocin level. So yes, if you are a, a researcher have found that hot environment, warm temperature will increase sweating, activate specific oxytocin and produce a producing part of the brain. But it's not just warm water that will increase your oxytocin because yes, the cold expo exposure will significantly upregulate the oxytocin level in the brain. So if you want to optimize your oxytocin level, try pushing yourself outside your comfort zone and expose your body to the acute stress of extreme temperature. So what you can do is take, yes, maybe a warm shower and finish it with a one or two minutes of cold. And maybe with the time you go with the, <laughs> the idea of Melanie of just cold shower. <laughs> Me, it's the warm. I can finish with <laughs> maybe a minute of cold. <laughs> Number 12, it's to eat healthy food. So eating, uh, eating food also increase your oxytocin and it's accessibly accessible by anyone. So food activated those touch receptors in your mouth and then will stimulate the release of oxytocin. So this is why when you eat, uh, eating makes people feel calm and satisfied and often opens them up for social interaction and bonding and attachment. Number 13, yes, it's to cook with someone you care about. Because yes, we know eating is something that will release oxytocin, but to cook and eat with someone now it can um, help you uh, have more oxytocin too. So it's a great, um, sharing food is a great way to bond with people. So preparing a meal with friend or partner can provide the enjoyment in addition to the eating part. Number 14 is to give someone a gift. So everyone loves receiving a gift, but it turns out that giving someone a gift benefits you, the gift giver, a gift giver as well. So studies show that receiving and giving gifts increase oxytocin level in the brain. And number 15 is to volunteer. So volunteering is another excellent way to boost your own oxytocin. So go and get out there and volunteer in your community. You know, there's always a way you can help people around you. So now that you have all those things, 
what can you do to maybe make sure to have a, um, a great relationship with someone? There's a lot of way. Go uh, play outside, cook outside, eat outside. <laughs> Go in a spa, you will have those uh, kind of temperature, the hot and the cold. <laughs> so there's a great way that you can use those 15 points to build those strong relationships with people. So I hope you enjoyed this morning. And if you are uh, still with us in the next week, you can already get your book for the next uh, uh, podcast so yes we have maybe two three or four podcasts about the, the leader in class so after that we'll go in the books so of find your why so if you don't have that book you can go and get it before we start with the, this book so i wish you a beautiful weekend and we'll see you next week bye everyone <laughs>